Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Radio Row at Home continuing on, and now we go out to the phone line. We bring in talented sports media columnist from the Boston Globe. It's Chad Finn. Chad, thanks for being with us, man. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me on, Brady. Well, I appreciate you being with me, and let me ask you this first. So you went to college in Maine. You've worked in New Hampshire. Now you're in Boston. You've been all around Vermont. i got to ask if you've ever gotten to the Green Mountain State. Oh, yeah. We, when I worked in New Hampshire, we used to go up to uh, uh, catch the uh, Canadians uh, when the Bruins would play up there, and we'd always uh, go up through Vermont and stop in, in Burlington and hang out there for an overnight and have a, have a great time. And I actually, my first job out of college, uh, it was almost in St. Albans. Um, mm. I ended up getting uh, taking a job in Concord instead, but uh, I came really close to uh, starting my career up there in Vermont. Well, very, very cool. Um, I got to say, totally tangential to anything else we're going to talk about. One of my favorite stories I've ever read, actually, is a story you wrote a couple of years ago about an old radio station in Massachusetts. I think 1510 The Zone, it was called. And it's the place that kind of yeah. gave Ryan Rossillo, UVM grad, his start. That's one of my favorite stories I've ever read. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that, that thing took me um, a couple of years. <laughs> it, it was sort of an oral history, and it was just something that sort of chipped away on, um, you know, over a little bit of time. We had, like, no set date when it was going to run or anything like that. But, yeah, there was a very um, short life, uh, short, short-lived station here in Boston back in the 2000s that uh, had no signal. It was on AM. Uh, WEI kind of made fun of it because it just couldn't match up. But, uh um, Sean Grandy was the program director. Mm. There's the voice of Celtics now, and he hired a whole bunch of young talent in the Boston market that went on to do great things. Uh, Bill Simmons, Rosillo, uh, Mike Giardi is at the NFL Network now. Michael Smith, Michael Hawley. So uh, it was uh, it was a station that was really geared to uh, sort of a young younger listenership, and I was kind of in that demographic at that time. And uh, really could have been something if only you could have heard it outside of. Uh, you know, the uh, Jacob Bridge. <laughs> well, it was a really, really cool uh, story, and, and rosillo has been great with us and great in this market, so it was cool to kind of read about his start in the business. Um, let's transition to the Red Sox, who you do a lot of writing and covering about. It's been an interesting two weeks for the Sox. I guess first off, the Schilling stuff. Let me ask you this first. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer baseball-wise purely? Because I keep wrestling back and forth with just that question. Yeah, I do. I think that the... the um the uh, postseason performance just puts him over the top. He's arguably the greatest postseason pitcher of all time. You can make you know make a case for uh, Bob Gibson, uh, Josh Beckett actually is a pretty good case. But uh, yeah, showing comes up a little bit short of um, sort of Hall of Fame parameters uh, when it, when you're doing the the final tally of wins and things like that. Uh, you know, uh, people say never want to Cy Young, but he's the second best pitcher in his league. To Randy Johnson, I think three times. Uh, you know, uh, he was certainly one of the top two or three best pitchers in baseball for for a time. I think he has that case, and uh, just the fact that if you could have any any pitcher in history to go out and pitch a game seven for you, uh, uh, you know, must win games that sort of situation, he would be right there at the the front of the rotation and the the top of the list of guys you would take. So I, I do think just purely basing it on baseball reasons. Uh, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. 
You know, I've read a lot of different accounts from people who know Schilling or covered Schilling, and they all say, by and large, he was a pretty good guy while he was playing, and he actually swept baseball's good guy awards while he was playing. Um, do you know a different version of Schilling than this one that we've seen in his post-playing days? Because, again, all accounts are that he was a pretty good guy while he played. He was. Uh, he was. I mean, he was smart and accessible and um, opinionated, you know, talkative, all those things you want as a beat writer or a columnist. Uh, he was also a blowhard. Hmm. Um, he, he's always been that. Uh, you know, the, the famous quote was from Ed Wade, the Phillies general manager, who said he's a horse uh, every fifth day and a horse's ass the other four. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's kind of uh, been enhanced over the last couple of years. But uh, he could. he's one of those guys who, um, you know, sometimes you needed a break from him. Yeah, he he could rub teammates the wrong way. He had issues with uh, uh, guys uh, just sort of being overbearing through the years. But um, it certainly was nothing like what he's become. I mean, I, I hear from people that say uh, he, he's being kept out of Hall of Fame because he's conservative. Uh, Mario Rivera got a hundred percent of the votes, and he, he's a he's a Trump voter, uh, a Trump supporter, unabashed Trump supporter. Uh, that was not held against him. What's held against Schilling is. Uh, not that he's conservative, but that, that, uh, you know, he's pro-insurrection, uh, you know, all of these other uh, horrible things and memes and stuff like that that he's posted on his Facebook page. I, I, I mentioned it a couple of days ago um, when all the Hall of Fame stuff was going on. You know, he got fired by ESPN five years ago, yeah, almost five years ago. How many other things has he done in that time that also would have gotten him fired if they kept him around? It's probably in double figures, um, just things that he's done and said, and uh, the guy's changed. He's, he's not the the person that he was uh, when he was with the Red Sox. Something like some, some wiring is uh, a, a little bit off in his head or something like that. And he's just uh, he, he's gone in the wrong direction. Chad Finn, columnist at the Boston Globe, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. On the other side of the spectrum is now kind of the ultimate Red Sox good guy, outside of how he handled the Manny Machado stuff, which I thought was wrong. But Dustin Pedroia was kind of the consummate pro for 15 years in Boston. What do you think his legacy is now that he's announced his retirement just a few days ago? Um, well, in the long run, he's, I, I think he's a guy who Brady ends up on the Hall of Fame ballot for quite a while. I don't hmm. think he ultimately gets in. The injuries have cost him, um, you know, that real opportunity. I think if he had three or four more years of a peak, he would have a real argument because he would be in that uh, conversation with Lou Whitaker, um, Jeff Kent, guys like that who have a real shot of getting in. Uh, but, you know, right now, I mean, he had fewer career uh, war than, than Ian Kinsler. Hmm. Uh, and Ian Kinsler is not getting in the Hall of Fame. So a uh, longevity issue is, is going to uh, keep him out, but he's going to be in that conversation. And I think that's about, about where he belongs. He's a uh, he's a truly great Red Sox player and one of the best players uh, in baseball, and certainly at his position for a, a small period of time. Um, the thing I would probably point about, out uh, about Pedroia right now is he, his reputation got damaged a little bit with Red Sox fans because of that Machado incident. Yeah, and, uh, you know him saying it's not me, it's them, um, but. He's as beloved a teammate as uh, I've ever seen with the Red Sox. Guys just loved him. You know, he's mouthy. He could dish it out. He could take it. He went out there and played hard every day. And he was a really, really talented player. That kind of gets lost in it because he 
he looks like uh, kind of an everyman, you know, balding, short, all of those <laughs> things. But he, he, he had incredible hand-eye coordination, incredible baseball ability, um, and was a true superstar for a, a little period of time. And uh, um, I know everybody who played with him is going to remember him well, and I hope Red Sox fans feel the same way, even with that silly incident with the Orioles. What do you think the Sox's chances are this year? Like I, I've got them pegged for fourth place, and I've got them not being very good. Do you think I'm overstating how bad they're going to be? They have made some nice moves in the last two weeks. Yeah, I think they're mediocre. Um, I wrote about it last week. I think fourth place is probably right. Uh, but there are people kind of looking at this as uh, just the Red Sox fans I hear from, that this is going to be kind of a continuation of last year when they were you know, 24, 24 wins in 60 games. Of, yeah. that, that works out to about 66, 65, 66 over a full season. They're not going to be nearly that bad. The, the, the thing that uh, uh, Bloom has done is he's really built the, you know, this, this organization needed a skeleton rebuilt. It needed um, depth and quality of depth, not only in prospects, but in guys who can be on the back end of your roster. Yeah. And one of the things he's done is incrementally upgrade in a lot of different areas. If they have a guy they can bring in that's a little bit better than the guy who's here now, they're going to do it. And that's how you get uh, you get better on the fringes. And he's trying to do that. They have a lot of interesting candidates for the pitching staff. Um, he's brought in quality major leaguers, not stars, but quality useful major leaguers with uh, Hernandez with Ottavino, uh, Garrett Richards, if he's healthy, is a pretty good pitcher. Uh, big if, but but uh, they're not going to have the roster depth issues ahead last year. I think uh, they need a lot to go right. You know, they need Bogarts to stay healthy, Devers to be a star, Sale to come back in June or July. Uh, Martinez and Benintendi, if he's here, need to figure out what went wrong last year and put that behind them. But um, it's pretty realistic to think some of those things will go right. Yeah. And uh, what's going to happen is. Uh, their depth is is a little bit better than it was a season ago. So it kind of reminds me of the early years of Dan Duquette when he was trying to build out, get out of that, uh, you know, that ninety one, ninety two uh, malaise with the, the Butch Hobson years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think this team will surprise some people and be on the playoff fringes. They won't get there this year, but it's not going to feel feel nearly as uh, much of a lost cause as last season did. Chad Finn of the Boston Globe with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. You know, you are a sports media analyst. You do a lot of writing about sports media. I think probably the pandemic and and the Zoom press conferences helped this, but I am curious, for as bad as he played at times, how did Cam Newton mostly win over the Boston media in a place that's supposed to be really hard to do that? Uh, We're all pushovers. That's why if you're nice and charming and accessible, (laughs) we'll all love you. (laughs) Yeah, That's how it goes. I. I think people felt kind of guilty once they got to know him that they had this perception of him that he was uh, he could be aloof or, or difficult or moody or whatever. And you know maybe those things were true at some point in his career, or maybe those were um, presumptions that shouldn't have been made or were unfairly made. But uh, having popped in on a Zoom call uh, almost every week and you know, hearing him on the his weekly appearance on sports radio. Uh, down here, he was never anything but uh, candid and and upbeat and uh, accessible, and you know he's very anecdotal, good at telling a story, and uh, just seemed like a genuinely good guy. And even if you're a cynic and think, okay, well, he maybe he's putting on a little bit of an act here for the new market that he's in. Uh, maybe he's changed because he he's not the player he once was. Uh, you ask his teammates 
and those guys loved him. They loved him. They loved having him around. A lot of the younger guys looked up to him because, um, you know, he, 10 years ago he came in the league. He was a, a, a superstar when a lot of these guys were, you know, 15, 16 years old. Um, so when, when you talk to the teammates, you talk to, like, to Devin McCourty, Spawn Gilmore, guys like that, and they, they all swear by the guy 100%. That tells you that your perception of him and what you're seeing is also what goes on behind the scenes. And it was too bad it didn't work out for him because, uh, you know, he was a really likable guy and a really uh, charismatic and uh, engaging personality, and that's always that's always fun to have around. Chad, I'll get you out of here on this. It's a fun one. I'm not asking you to book guests for this show, but since it is Super Bowl week, I've been asking everybody, the best guest you could provide in your phone is who? The biggest name drop you have? Oh, in my phone? Yeah. Uh, the best number in my phone would be uh, it would be Larry Bird's phone number. Well, that's a good one to have. That is a good one yeah, to have. I, yeah, I did a story on him, uh, a quick story on that. I, uh, about five years ago, I did a story on a 60-point game, World History, tracked down all his ex-teammates. You know, the, those guys are an age where they, they like to talk, and it was a really fun thing to do. And I never thought I'd get Bird for it. I thought I'd have to use... Um, something out of drive, you know, when he talked hmm. about it in his biography. And I called the Pacers, uh, never heard back from their PR guy, never got a thing, uh, any indication. And then um, I came home from jury duty one day and my phone rang. It was an in Indianapolis number. And um, I figured it was a PR guy saying, no, he doesn't want to do it. And I pick up my phone and it, it's very familiar voice. Chad, this is Larry Bird. What do you hmm. need? Oh. And, uh, you know, I texted my wife while he was talking and said, Larry Bird just called me back. So <laughs> that'd probably be, uh, that'd, that'd be a tough one to beat for me. Well, that is a good number to have in your phone. So, so far, you're the winner. We've only been playing this game for this week, but so far, you are the winner. It's my new favorite game with guests. So, Chad Finn, columnist, Boston Globe, very, very talented. Love following him on Twitter as well. Good insight on the Sox, the Pats, and all the goings on in Boston sports. Chad, we appreciate it and uh, enjoy the game this weekend. We'll talk to you again sometime. Thanks, Brady. Good talk to you. Take care.